Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Fine. It, it looks like by uh, your screen there, and the folks listening obviously can't see this, you're in the woods. I am. Yes. Got the old RV out. Is this in retribution for the squirrel murdering that you, you did earlier in the week? I don't really want to talk about that. Uh, you're the one who made that public. And so I'm still a little uh, still a little upset over the experience. So uh, I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up. Well, I did. Yeah. So. so now now we need to explain. Yeah. I was talking to you uh, on the phone the other morning and I heard a thud. And right. then I heard, oh, no. And it yeah. was a squirrel. I had to hit a squirrel. I saw him come in. He really shouldn't have been crossing during rush hour, but he was. And uh, it, it was not it was not good. So. Anyway, not a great sight in the rearview mirror. But I am in the woods. Uh, we do. We have the RV out at uh, State Park this weekend, so it's good. Put out a few great, acorns great for his friends, and you know, nice. I think yeah. it'll all be okay. Well, I'm sorry about that, Amy. I, I know you you were pretty uh, upset about that the other day, so uh, I'm sorry that 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 happened to you. But hey, the show goes on, and uh, we got to we got to move on with the show here. So. Uh, before we get into our show, though, we do want to thank our sponsors each and every week, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you're considering your next steps in theological education, then head to Fort Worth, Texas for Southwestern Seminary's Fall Preview Day on October 22nd. You'll have a chance to tour the campus, meet professors, talk with fellow students, and meet President Adam W. Greenway and experience the unique campus community of Southwestern Seminary. Visit swbts.edu slash preview to learn more and register for Fall Preview Day at Southwestern Seminary. Got some uh, news from them. So President Ed Litton was on campus this week at Southwestern and participated in a Q&A with Adam Greenway. So that's a pretty good little uh, event there. Yes. Yeah, so Ed Litton came to campus and what they did was have sort of a, a discussion and talked about a whole range of things. I've gotten to watch half of it, haven't finished all of it. But uh, I'd started it and then it's been kind of a crazy week around here, but you can catch that on YouTube. We'll put it in the show notes. So do check that out. We'll put it in the show notes. Like you said, there's a whole story over at Baptist Press about the entire event, as well as the video from the chapel service that Ed Litton was part of. So good Q&A with President Greenway. So really cool. Do check that out. But Amy, we jump into the show this week. Big news out of the ERLC trustee meeting this past week. Good friend of the pod, Brent Leatherwood was named the acting president of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission. And they also greenlit a sex abuse assessment of the SBC. Yeah, so this was a, a pretty full meeting. Yeah, they did a lot. I, I was able to attend, so that was kind of cool. It was here yeah. in Nashville. Daniel Patterson had been the acting president after Russell Moore had stepped away just before the SBC annual meeting. But Daniel Patterson is leaving to go become an executive pastor in Texas at Central Baptist Church. And so Brent Leatherwood has been the chief of staff and vice president of external affairs, and he will now be, or he now is, uh, the acting president. So that was a big move. They also approved a candidate profile to start guiding the search for the next president. So now applications can get sent in, um, recommendations, people can you know send their CV or recommend someone that they think. They also elected Lori Bova 
of New Mexico as trustee chair. She is the second female to serve in that role. So there uh, has been another female board chair several years ago. I mean, it's yeah. a good, good, good little bit back. Uni Smith back in That's 2010 right. from That's Alabama. Right. So, but she, that makes her the second female board chair for the ERLC. I believe the fourth female to chair a, a right. board for an SBC entity. So two from the ERLC, one uh, from Southeastern Seminary, Becky Gardner, and then Renee Trawick from Guidestone. So that's, that's kind of exciting. And I've heard great things about Lori Bova. They also, uh, as you said, they approved an assessment about sex abuse in the SBC. So this was in response to a motion from the annual meeting by Todd Bankert. And the request was for a three-year study with preliminary reports by the ERLC at the next two annual meetings, and then a final report at the 2024 meeting. And this is an assessment that will receive reports from voluntarily participating churches, victims, and witnesses. The purpose of this, as I understand it, is to be able to give Southern Baptists a picture of kind of where things are on this among among churches but it does it, it is voluntary participation from every side whether it's churches participating in in talking about where we are on this or survivors victims witnesses things like that so uh well i'm sure we'll hear more in the coming days about what this assessment will look like but that motion was referred to the erlc and they have decided to take it up they also handed out a couple of awards, Amy. Good friend of the pod, Griffin Gulledge, was right. awarded the Leland Religious Liberty Award for his work on the Uyghur resolution that we passed at the annual meeting, as well as some social media advocacy on behalf of them. Mark Dever was, shared that award with him uh, for the stand that Capitol Hill Baptist took against the Washington, D.C. city government there that, uh, you know, over some religious liberty issues for them meeting. And uh, you remember they won that case, won $220,000 in damages for legal costs for that. Uh, they also uh, affirmed and shared some new work on technology ethics and pro-life issues. Elizabeth Graham and Jason Thacker uh, both shared information about some new initiatives that they got on there. There's a story of Baptist Press on Friday about that uh, that you can you can check out and get more information on the digital public square as well as how the ERLC is working on pro-life issues related to row 50 which is coming up in January of 2023. They also, uh, you mentioned, passed some responses to six motions referred to them and approved an operating budget of more than $3.9 million for the commission for the next year. Amy, you mentioned the profile for the next president. They had eight characteristics that they listed in that profile. The full profile approved by the trustees is available for download over at Baptist Press. The link to that is in the show notes. So, Amy, the eight characteristics they're calling for are the candidate to be spiritually mature, a faithful servant, convictionally Southern Baptist, appropriately educated, excellent communicator, pastoral in heart, an experienced leader, and a proven unifier. So uh, what they do not require is a candidate to have an earned doctorate. It says PhD or DMIN or law degree would be preferable, but not required. Remember, both uh, Dr. Land and Dr. Moore had PhDs. Uh, so that is not something they are requiring at this time. That's right. So it's a, a full profile. So if you've got someone you want to recommend out there, uh, look it up and see what you can do to send it in. Yeah. So ERLC.com slash presidential search 
is the website with all the information that uh, allows you to submit information about potential candidates. So you can check that out, erlc.com slash presidential search. Speaking of new leaders, Amy, Indiana Baptists, they've got a new one. That's right. Ryan Struther, uh, who's a pastor from Ohio, was named the executive director of the State Convention of Baptists in Indiana. So this happened in a special called meeting on Monday, and he will begin his role October 13th. Uh, Bobby Pell has been the interim executive director, and he's going to continue in that role until Ryan Struther starts. So they're uh, this very exciting for them. He's been lead pastor of Central Baptist Church in Marion, Ohio. The name Ryan Struther may ring a bell. He served as the president of the Baptist State Convention in Ohio previously and uh, was part of them calling Jeremy Westbrook as their new right. executive director just, uh, what, about a month ago, six weeks ago or so. So congratulations to Ryan. Ryan becomes, get this, Amy, the youngest state exec at 37. Younger than me, a lot yep. younger, well, a lot younger. Yeah, a lot younger. Yeah. So, um, hey, hey, I get to um, say that, not you. Okay, okay. all right, got you. Amy, while we do have a new exec in Indiana, we have another exec stepping down over in Maryland, Delaware. Kevin Smith is headed back to the pastorate. Yeah, so Kevin Smith announced his resignation this week that he will be returning to pastoral ministry. So he announced that to the folks at uh at Maryland, Delaware, in a meeting. He said, this is a wonderful position of denominational service, and I enjoyed this work tremendously. I simply miss the local congregation. Uh, and, and I can affirm this. So first of all, I didn't know about this until the release came. So I think you, you were actually the one that told me because the press release had come to Baptist Press. Uh, but we are friends with Kevin Smith. Uh, it goes back a long time. And he was passing through North Carolina a couple of months ago in uh, right, kind of right after I had started my current role. And one of the first things he said to me, we went to dinner with him. One of the first things he said to me was, oh, man, you are in the local church. And he kind of went on and on and on about how much he missed the local church. And so while I, I was surprised, you know, when when you told me that this was that this was about to come out at Baptist Press, I wasn't completely surprised because he's expressed this about how much he misses the frontline work of the local congregation. So sad for Maryland, Delaware, and uh, uh, for all of us, but also uh, really happy for Kevin Smith yeah, and so for the congregation really, where he's headed. Yeah, so. so we don't have that information yet. That's not finalized. I, I bet we're going to hear about that in the next week or two. But uh, congratulations to Kevin. Uh, we appreciate all the work that he did in Maryland, Delaware over the past few years and wish him the best in pastoral ministry. It is a Southern Baptist church. I did confirm that with him. So his trusteeship, when, which he was just named vice chair of the ERLC board, uh, will remain. So just uh, some tidy up some notes on that. But uh, Amy, also some news from the Georgia Baptist Convention. There was an announce of some layoffs with uh, along with some budget cuts. So that's kind of kind of a hard a hard thing, but they've had a continued lag in cooperative program giving, and so they needed to make these changes. They uh, in 2007 total CP funds received by the state convention had reached 49.5 million. By 2020, that had dropped to 37.8 million, and so they just needed to to kind of find a way to, to cut somewhere. Uh, 
So they did not get into the specifics on the number of positions eliminated, uh, but did say that it's, it's going to affect everybody on the team. So that's, that's really, really hard. It'll, it'll affect every department. So that's really hard. And we hate that for some of the folks that are at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, but trust uh, in the decisions they felt like they needed to make. You know, Georgia, like you mentioned, the, the big decrease in the state of Georgia, uh, they're one of just a few states that have shown year over year decreases in the South. So, you know, a bulk of the CP money comes through the South. And I think there are only five states that showed a, like a significant decrease or a somewhat significant decrease in CP giving. That's the national side of CP giving. Uh, and they are one of those. Uh, several other states are up, including, you know, SBTC, they're up like eight and a half percent almost. Alabama's up three and a half percent almost. Uh, I know you're up in um, North Carolina, uh, up in Kentucky, Florida, South Carolina. So uh, some states showing some increases in CP giving uh, while others uh, continue, you know, possibly to, to see some of that decrease and maybe haven't caught up from uh, the economic impact over the last uh, decade or so in their states. But uh, we'll keep an eye out on that. Uh, Georgia's still the third highest giving CP state in the country uh, on the national level, at least, uh, you know, what they re- what they send on to national levels. They are one of the stronger CP giving states in the country, even with the downturn that they have seen over the last uh, few years. So keep an eye on that. And if anything else comes out of that, we'll bring that to you. But all the information about that, again, is over in the show notes at sbcthisweek.com. And finally, Amy, we had some sad news. Helen Parks, wife of the former IMB president Keith Parks passed away this week, as well as former Alabama State Convention uh, Executive Director Treasurer Troy Morrison. Oh, these are always really tough to hear. And uh, obviously, Keith Parks has quite a um, a spot in history, especially for those of those who have followed the IMB in recent years. And so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah. So Helen Jean Parks, uh, like I mentioned, passed away this past week. She was 93. And, uh, you know, obviously they, they served on the foreign mission board from 1954 until 1968 on the field out in Indonesia. So Indonesia from 54 to 68. And then obviously they came back to the States as Keith came and joined the home office staff and uh, served as president. You mentioned he served as president from 80 to 92. So uh, they spent a lot of time overseas, spent a lot of time leading the IMB. So a heart of missions from uh, obviously from Helen Jean Parks and her husband, Keith Parks, over the years, uh, 40 years of service to Southern Baptist on the mission field uh, from the Parkses. So uh, prayers out to the Parks family, as well as those of Troy Morrison. I mentioned that he was the state Board of Missions Director from Alabama from 1990 to 1999, passed away this past week at 89 years old. So he pastored churches in Kentucky and Alabama and spent 17 years at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. You know where that is, Amy? Um, I've heard of it. It's right outside of Gadsden. Okay. So right outside of Gadsden, Alabama, Rainbow City, uh, and also he's a graduate of Jacksonville State University, who uh, who beat Florida State last week, by the way. And also served in the Army, Amy, from 55 to 57. Rick Lance, who succeeded Morrison as the executive director there in Alabama, said about Morrison that he always had Alabama Baptist churches on his heart and mind. So uh, sad to see the loss of Troy Morrison in Alabama, uh, as well as Helen Jean Parks. So uh, thoughts and prayers out to both of those families, as well as those in the IMB and Alabama Baptist families. 
Before we finish the news this week, Amy, want to share a special interview with David Spica. He stopped by earlier in the week to share some information about an exciting new product from Guidestone. Joining us today on SBC This Week is David Spica. He's the Chief Investment Officer over at Guidestone Financial Resources. David, thanks for joining us, man. Good to be here, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Now, I don't know how many of our listeners know about this, but you and I do a monthly market update on the Baptist Press Facebook page every month. We've been doing that for, I guess, about 18 months now. We started back early in the pandemic, and we just finished another one for September of 2021, where we go and we talk about the economy. We talk about the stock markets. We talk about inflation. We talk about 100-year Austrian bonds sometimes. And every once in a while, I throw out something about cryptocurrency and you want to come at me through the screen. But today, I'm going to have you on the uh, podcast here, and we're going to talk about a great new product from Guidestone Financial Resources, and it's called the Global Impact Fund. So give us kind of the, uh, the elevator pitch on the Global Impact Fund. The Global Impact Fund is a fund that is very unique, Jonathan. As far as we know, there's nothing like it in the market today and never has been. It has four key elements. First of all, it's a Christian-oriented impact fund. It is a multi-asset fund that combines both equity and fixed income. It has global orientations. So they own securities from all over the world. And finally, it owns publicly traded and private investments. So private investments like private debt, private equity, real estate, et cetera, the type of investments that most individuals can access we'll have about a 7% weighting of that in the fund. So it's a very unique offering that truly lets Christian investors invest according to their values and actively promote good and the spreading of the gospel throughout the world. I know this kind of fits right in with the mission of Guidestone. And you guys, you have mission dignity, which we've talked about a lot. And a lot of people think whenever they think Guidestone, they think two things. They think their retirement account and their insurance. But mission dignity is a is a huge part of what Guidestone does. This is another part. And a lot of people don't realize that you do have just straight up investment opportunities, not a retirement, you know, the 403B that we, we think of the classic offering from Guidestone, uh, the annuity side uh, that you guys offer, uh, as well as the insurance. But But these funds like this, like who comes up with an idea to start a new fund that people can invest in like this? That's a great question. We have a product development committee that I chair here in the investment line of business at Guidestone. And we identified a need for a new fund a few years ago. And Will Laughlin, who leads our distribution team, and I were sitting in the office one day and we were just botting some ideas around. And he said, what about a global impact fund? And the light bulb just went off. I said, wow, that's perfect. So what I, the, When you think about why impact is important, let me kind of break it down, Jonathan. We've always had exclusionary screens in our portfolios. We won't own securities that are publicly recognized as operating in the alcohol, tobacco, gambling, pornography, or abortion industries. Always have done that, been very, very focused and and obedient to that. A few years ago, we started doing what's called shareholder advocacy. Shareholder advocacy means that a company we do own that is not operating in a way that we think is a, is reflective of our values, we'll reach out to them and encourage them to change the way they operate. The opioid epidemic is a good example. Fair labor practices, some of the streaming media companies, we've had good success with them. Impact is the final leg of this. That's as opposed to not owning companies that we don't want to own, we proactively own companies that are doing good. So it's really the final leg in that process. 
where we're owning companies that are actively promoting the growth of God's kingdom and, and serving the underserved and doing good throughout the world. And it's very, very exciting. And I really think it's incumbent upon us as the largest Christian investment management firm in the country to truly use the, the, the capital the Lord's entrusted us with to help promote the growth of his kingdom. So this launched in January. And like, what, what's the timetable between you having a brainstorm idea in your office one day with one of your, your employees? And here's this fund. It's now available for people in January of 2020. It was about 18 months. Wow. And this one's a little unique, but it's a long process, Jonathan. I mean, well, there's a lot all... of, you got a lot of security and exchange commission stuff to go through. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like, it's not like you just have an idea and hey, here it is. I mean, it's, That's right. you know, Lifeway deals with that with books. You know, you have a book idea sure. and it takes a while to get that to to print and, and in the public. But I, I'm sure you guys have a lot more hoops to jump through with things like this. We do. And we're always looking ahead. We're always looking three, four, five years down the road. What is going to be needed in the market three, four to five years? And what we're seeing is that people, are particularly people under 40, under 45, are very interested in impact investing, very interested in investing according to their values and having their money do good, not just owning investment for their own selfish reasons, but owning investment that can help them meet their investment goals, but also can do good in the world. And we see that and we didn't have that and we wanted to offer that. And so we're very, very excited we've been able to do this. But yes, a lot of work, a lot of people involved, a lot of man hours involved. And we're just very, very excited we've been able to launch it. It's doing very well so far. And we're very excited. We really feel like impact will define Guidestone Investments for, for the next couple of decades. Now, if, if somebody's interested in this or just kind of wants to kick the tires on it, well, you know, where, where can they go to find out more information about it? Guidestonefunds.com. Um, there's a lot of information there. And uh, we, uh, uh, we actually have a, um, a whole separate section, a whole separate landing page on the uh, website to talk about the funds. It's, uh, it's very, very exciting. If I can, can I give you a few examples of oh, some yeah. of the things that we're doing? Absolutely. Uh, we, we, um, to, we're really focused on three areas promoting the sanctity of life and the spreading of the gospel, uh, promoting human dignity and advancement, and uh, the stewardship of God's creation. So it's very difficult to invest in the sanctity of life. However, we've identified that 75% of women who have abortions live at or below the poverty level. So we've identified the opportunity to reduce the impediments a woman has to having a child so that she doesn't feel like she needs to abort the child. So we've invested in bonds that provide housing for low-income women, bonds that provide uh, educational opportunities, community college districts for, low, for lower-income women. We've invested in companies uh, that produce uh, unique sterilization techniques for ultrasounds that are used in crisis pregnancy centers. All of that goes a long way toward supporting the sanctity of life. And we're interested in the sanctity of life from conception to death. So we also want to make sure that low-income seniors have a place to live. Um, we own securities that, that promote the development of Christian schools and universities, which is clearly about creating soldiers for the Lord that are going to go out and spread the gospel. And on the, on the, on the stewardship of God's creation, a lot of that's about clean water. Companies that um, offer clean water and water sanitation techniques, particularly in third world countries. Think about missionaries. They go overseas and they're digging water wells. We want to own companies that are supporting clean water and wastewater development in those countries. Now, a lot of what you're talking about there on human dignity and sanctity of life, that kind of flows into what we've been seeing and what we've been talking about with this Texas abortion ban, the, the new legislation that kind of went into to effect there, Senate Bill 8. 
in Texas where Guidestone is located. And one of the questions we've been asking is, all right, if abortion were to get overturned, like Roe Roe v. Wade gets overturned, and now abortion is illegal in a certain number of states, whatever that may be, we need something in the pipeline to help women who would either find themselves in that predicament where they would want to get an abortion or go somewhere else to have an abortion or can't necessarily have an abortion anymore. And this fund here seems like it is actually helping the exact organizations and maybe companies that are bonds. You know, you talked about that, that provide that safety net and, and maybe provide an infrastructure for that safety net. That's absolutely right, Jonathan. Again, if you reduce a woman's impediment to having an abortion, we believe that that'll go a long way toward limiting, reducing abortions. Whether it's it, legal or not. Correct. If we could invest in crisis pregnancy centers in this fund, we'd be doing it all day long. We can't. There's no way to do that. Somebody's going to take their crisis pregnancy center public now. If they took so. it public, we'd invest in it. The <laughs> problem is, is that that doesn't exist today. Um, so what we're doing is we're finding creative ways to continue to promote the sanctity of life. So you're right. And, and we do need to be very mindful of giving women the structure they need, the support they need, the safety net they need, so they feel like they can give birth to the child and raise the child. Yeah. And, and the um, Global Impact Fund is just one way that Guidestone is helping uh, promote the sanctity of life. Because you mentioned from conception to death, you mentioned the human dignity and sanctity of life there. That, that's important because on the other end, you have, like you said, low income for seniors uh, helping in, in through the Global Impact Fund. And that, that's also where really Mission Dignity kicks in big time. Absolutely. Mission Dignity kicks in there. We, uh, again, we're supporting entities that are, that are providing uh, housing and economic opportunity and things as basic as cell phone service and internet service in Africa. I mean, these are things that, that are necessary to live a high quality of life. And we're interested in providing that high quality of life. And I would say also, Jonathan, we're very interested at Guidestone. This is who we are. We're a 103-year-old Christian organization. We didn't invent this fund because we want to raise assets. We invented this fund because we feel called by the Lord to do it. And we live our lives this way. I've got a colleague here, Caleb Martin, who just got back from Liberia, where he and his wife adopted two children from an orphanage in Monrovia, Liberia. They now have six children at home. Three of them are adopted. That is a very common occurrence here at Guidestone. We care about people, not just in the womb, but throughout their life. And we demonstrate that by how we live our lives. David, thanks for being with us today. Again, guidestonefunds.com is where you can find out information about the Global Impact Fund. Obviously, guidestone.org is the website for Guidestone, our entity that handles uh, you know financial services for those in Southern Baptist Convention and beyond. And uh, there's a lot more than just the Global Impact Fund there. You, you know, obviously, you've got the information on the, the retirement process and, and all that, that, you know, that that entails. But some more funds that people can, you know, use their money, not just to invest, but to do good with. Amen. All right. Well, David, thanks for being with us. And we'll see you uh, next month, I guess, uh, whenever you and I get together again on the monthly market update. But uh, we appreciate you coming on SPC this week. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate the time. Well, Amy, that's going to do it for our news this week and bring me to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. I got a little SBC executive committee history to throw out. Okay. We're going to go to 1951. 70 years ago this week, Porter Routh became executive secretary treasurer of wow. the executive committee. 70 years. 
How long yeah. did you serve as the ex- uh, executive director treasurer of the EC? Almost 28 years. Okay. Wow. So he retired um, on July 31st, 1979. So he was like really close to the 28 year mark. But for those who are kind of uh, students of that season, Porter Routh was highly respected uh, for his leadership of the EC during that time, during a really just a, a kind of a changing time yeah. in the world. The 60s were really a lot of change in the SBC as well as in the world. Uh, the, uh, if you go back and you look at all the changes made in the 60s in the SBC, it was a lot. Right. And not just in, I mean, obviously everybody knows the sixties was kind of a, you know, crazy decade, but just even thinking about technological advances, just all the things that would have changed during his time and, uh, and in putting on the meeting and promoting the cooperative program, all those types of things. So uh, he was a uh, a layman who, who kind of came up and had worked at the executive committee and was a uh, did a lot of did a lot of things actually in uh, in in Southern Baptist life was editor of the Baptist Messenger in Oklahoma uh, secretary of survey statistics and information for the Sunday School Board you know just a, a number of things but I found that as I was digging so what I've got in the show notes that you can look at is the press release from September 11th which is I believe when they elected him. But he gave an acceptance speech. And when you look at it, it seems like a little bit of a discrepancy that maybe he gave it on the 13th and it was published on the 14th. There's a part where it says the 14th but, uh, in a couple of spots, but they crossed it out to the 13th. Uh, so it looks like maybe they voted him in on the 11th. He officially accepted maybe on the 12th. And then he gave a speech on the 13th or 14th. Um, and it's a, I mean, it's a really, it, it's a really nice speech. He says, um, yesterday shall long be remembered as an eventful day by me. I was sincerely humbled by your expressions of confidence, but the warmth of your hand clasp and the spirit of your action was more meaningful to me than the action you took in electing me as executive secretary treasurer of the executive committee. He said, uh, let me say frankly that I have no illusions about being elected to a high office. I was elected to the only high office Baptists have some 30 years ago. I do consider this an opportunity for service. And so he was very well known for that. So what I've got for the show notes is the story about his election, as well as a copy of his acceptance speech from that election. And then also the resolution that was passed in 1979 at the annual meeting on his retirement. And it gives that resolution tells a lot about all that he contributed during that time. So a lot of folks don't, you know, don't know about him. This is a great, a great way to know, but uh, made a, a huge impact on the convention through just sort of a slow and steady, quiet service. Um, great, great respected man. Of course, you and I, um, you working at the executive committee. And when I was working at the executive committee, you'd see his portrait there because the, the president, the portraits are up on the seventh floor and you can see, see his portrait up there. Anyway, uh, I just thought that was kind of cool. I found that and thought, well, that's neat. And then I realized the date and said that was seven years ago. Uh, so Porter Routh, a great Southern Baptist leader and statesman elected 70 years ago this week in SBC history. All right. Well, cool. And that's, uh, on the eve of another SBC executive committee meeting, which should give us a lot to talk about next week. 
That's right. That's right. So um, be praying for you there. Keith will be there as a yep. pro- provost of a seminary. The provosts uh, get together at, uh, around that meeting, uh, but I will be in North Carolina. So I'll be uh, I think I'm going to go hang online. out with Keith. You go, just go to the provost meeting. Just yeah. go to the provost meeting. But I will be tracking it online for sure. Lots of things going on next week. Yep. So you'll be able to watch that online, track it online, and uh, SBC Executive Committee on Twitter will be giving you all the information from that meeting as well. So uh, if the, those of you who are coming, be good to see a lot of folks in Nashville. I know a lot of them were able to make it in February, but some folks maybe not able to make it here for the February meeting uh, this past February that we held. And a lot of them, I think, will be making it back to Nashville this coming week for the fall executive committee meeting. And if you come, take a tour of the building. A lot of things have changed. Yep. So. Got new lighting in the auditorium. The auditorium has been repainted. Amy. You haven't seen it. Got a new stage. They redid everything because cool. it was it was kind of saggy. Get a little, uh, yeah. almost a kind of a hazard a little bit because it was sagging so much. But the uh, stage has been redone and fixed. New paint on the walls, a new green room, new uh, seventh floor the, the Leadership Training Center up there, a lot of new artwork up there as well. Do check that out if you're going to be here next week. Make sure you make it up to the seventh floor. See all the, the newness up there as well as in the, the area around the, the auditorium on two. So there you go. Should be neat. So, all right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Gabe, your resource of the week is? A new study that came out, the State of the Bible from the American Bible Society. So it's the 2021 State of the Bible report. There's a story that Diana Chandler did at Baptist Press about it, and then it actually links to the study itself. But some of the major findings were things like helping a stranger is the most popular neighboring behavior among respondents. So things uh, that people are doing to love their neighbor as themselves, uh, helping a stranger, donating to charity, volunteering in the community. And that looked at outside of church ministries. A couple other things that I found really interesting were that practicing Christians scored higher on their scale designed to rank good neighboring uh, with practicing Christians ranking from 1.3 to 1.6 and non-practicing Christians ranking 0.7 to 1.1. So that I would assume that means like, you know, who have attendance also said that good neighboring behaviors are viewed as negative among those who rarely engage with the Bible, if at all. So just very interesting and talked a whole lot about Basically, that people who are rooted in scripture, they do it statistically live it out this way, this idea of neighborliness. So that's a that's a conversation that I hear we hear a lot. But what the American Bible Society did was really tie it to those who spend a lot of time in the Bible. All right. Well, yeah. And like you said, there's a link to the full study over at the show notes here uh, in the Baptist Press story by Diana Chandler. She's been on that kind of all year. They've been dripping pieces of that. So uh, there's a lot out there to consume on the state of the Bible for 2021 from the American Bible Society. So a good product and a good resource for us to talk about here on the pod. And also my resource of the week is the For the Church Conference, which is about 10 to 12 days away. It's in Kansas City, Missouri, on the campus of Midwestern Seminary. I'm headed up there for that uh, the week after the EC meeting. So it's it's the week after the EC meeting. You can check that out. It's going to be a great conference. It's one of my favorite conferences to go to every year. And this year, they've got uh, Jason Allen, obviously speaking at that, the president of Midwestern Seminary, and then Robbie Gallaty, Juan Sanchez, H.B. Charles, and Jared Wilson. So 
a, a good lineup there as well as some breakouts from all kind of folks. Uh, and there's a women's pre-conference as well. So if you're in the Midwest area and uh, kind of can get to Kansas City over the next uh, week or so, do check that out. Uh, Jimmy McNeil from Austin Stone is going to be leading the worship there. He's always fantastic. Done a lot of uh, ERLC events over the years, and uh, we've had him. You know, we've talked about him on the podcast before. So uh, it should be a great conference. Always a fun conference for me to attend. And uh, I've been there. I think almost every year they've had it. So um, very cool. It's 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 a really really good conference. Really well done conference on the campus of Midwestern Seminary. So check that out mbts.edu slash ftc for more information all right all right amy you mentioned it the ec meeting is this coming week so we'll have probably a full roundup of that next week on the podcast going to be a lot of business and a lot of things done this next week at the executive committee meeting so it'll be good to see a lot of our friends like we mentioned that are coming in for that Uh, i hate that you're going to miss it well i'm sorry i won't be able to see you and so many others it'll feel weird to not be there Yep, maybe February. Maybe. We'll see. I might. We'll see. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week. Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week.